Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody, this is Phil Town. And this is Danielle Town. Welcome to the Invested Podcast. We are here diving deeper into, I guess, what we'd call risky business. Um, yeah, I feel like it's starting to become in that category. Yeah, it's I think so. It's interesting through this conversation. I think so. And uh, we're looking at some really good question that came up from one of our listeners. Netflix, let's say the company. Oh, Netflix, Netflix. yes. And we got For a great everybody question. everybody who uh, is coming to this and hasn't listened to the other like 17 million episodes where we have uh, sliced and diced Netflix. We are using it. I think the reason we've done so many episodes on it is we're using it as a great case study to figure out how do we evaluate a company that I would say is hard. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Is it too hard is the question. And I think for many of our listeners it may not be too hard and for many it will be so it's a really interesting one because we're all familiar with it but the business as uh looking at it from an investing point of view is uh is is not exactly clear-cut necessarily yeah so we ended up last time talking about valuation and how would you then price a company that i think from our conversations is clear that the moat may or may not be incredibly strong. You think it is incredibly strong and intrinsic. I am not necessarily convinced. I think it might many be. Of our, many of our listener questions were all around moat and how do you handle a company when you can't figure out if it really does have an intrinsic and durable competitive advantage or not. So this question from Jessica from New Zealand really got to the heart of it and I thought it was such a good question. So Jessica says that, um, oh, and by the way, she's a single mom and she's been listening to us and she read our book and um, thank you, Jessica, for listening and I'm so glad that you got excited to start investing and and learning because that is exactly what I hoped for doing to have happen with, gosh, asking my millions of questions to my father. Okay, Dad, are you ready for her question? Yeah, I think fire away. Okay. Her question is regarding Netflix specifically, but in general. What do you do when one box is unticked in a company that has otherwise glowing financial statements? So do you write it off altogether and just say, that company is too hard. It doesn't meet every single one of my criteria. Or do you mitigate the risk by adding in some quote, and this is Jessica's term and I love it, quote, risk windage to your margin of safety price. So she said she looked at Netflix, all the gro- in her opinion, all the growth rates were brilliant. The recent ROE, ROIC were both good, but the debt was three times their net profit for 2021. So to her, that seemed like a bit of a yellow flag. So how do you 
Filltown advise thinking about these what seem like maybe isolated pockets of risk when everything else is looking good in a company that maybe she totally understands. Maybe Jessica works in television and uh, knows Netflix inside and out. So what, what, what do you think when a company's looking great, but there's one thing or maybe two things uh, in the numbers that are not looking as good? I think it, first off, it's going to happen all the time. That, that is so common for us when we're looking at companies is we'll, yeah. we, we, we automatic, uh, there's almost automatically a lot of good about a company before we start diving in, or we probably wouldn't even be on our radar. True. Um, so we already have several, you know, obviously several major boxes checked. Um, and she's indicating like, okay, well, we've got several boxes checked, but we've got one or two major ones that are not checked and that's really bothersome. And that is exactly the, the problem that we have when we're doing research and what, why we think some things get to be too hard is because we can't check that last box. And if we can't check that last box, then it really is problematic about whether we, we have something that's too hard to understand or that we can't understand it or that that box is just, I mean, that, that let's say that the problem she's bringing up is that the company has uh, three years worth of earnings to pay off their debt which is marginal, right? It's like, okay, that's a yellow, screaming yellow. Not yeah. a red flag, but it's yellow. Yeah. And in order to understand the business, or in order to understand whether that's really not a big problem or it is a potentially really big problem, you know, we really got to understand this business. Why are they taking on this debt? What's Where's this debt coming from? Are they going to have to add to it? Is the debt growing larger over time proportionally to their earnings or is it getting smaller? Are they trying to get rid of the debt? Are they not trying to get rid of it? Yeah, yeah. Right? So. Are they raising new money? That's something I've been seeing. Yeah. I mean, debt is debt is a killer. And as we go toward a recession, you're already starting to see companies fold up because they've got debt. Yeah. So here it comes, right? The tide's going out and then you get to see who's swimming naked. And there's an indication that the company may not be as strong as it should be um, in these in this checklist that we put out. And one of those big indicators is debt. So Netflix has a lot of debt and it's a lot of debt for a really good company, but not too much debt to immediately disqualify it. It hasn't gotten to the extent of a Boeing, for example, which is a really good company and then loaded up with $60 billion of debt. And that's like, end of story, we're out of here. So um, Netflix isn't there yet. So that's the, my answer to that is you have to get the question answered. It, and her, her answer to it is, well, should I just get a bigger margin of safety? No, because a bigger margin of safety just means, it means you're willing to buy a company that can still have a terminal problem. Debt can be a terminal problem. So getting a bargain on a company with a terminal problem is a little bit like, with potentially terminal problems, a little bit like going back to, um, why Buffett changed Ben Graham's formula. Ben Graham's formula was to buy kind of cigar butt companies. Um, that is businesses that were so cheap, although they had issues going on, they were so cheap that um, you were buying them really for the cash on the books, net, net cash on the books. And Ben's view was, you know, you buy these companies and some of them are gonna work out really, really well. And so he would buy 
like 200 of them in -hmm. order to be sure that he had a number of winners in there to offset the losers. And, And so he took more risk in his portfolio because of that and offset it with a lot of diversification. Buffett and Munger came up with a better plan, which was let's just buy really wonderful businesses, even if we have to pay more for them. And mm-hmm. and that idea has been what carried Buffett for the last, geez, 60 years. He's been yeah, doing that. Absolutely. So we want to stay with that. We want to stay with the idea that it's got to be a wonderful business. And, and getting a lower price on a not wonderful business is like, you know, buying a fair business at a great price. It turns out not to be the way we want to go. We don't want to buy fair businesses at wonderful prices. We want to buy wonderful businesses at fair prices. Totally and, understand that. Good. I think Jessica's question's a little more nuanced than that. Okay. Which is like, I think, okay, I'm going to speak for her about whatever. Somebody thinks Netflix is a wonderful business. Mm-hmm. It's checking every wonderful business box. You go down your checklist of expensive errors and everything is checked and it's all good. And then you get to the box that, well, for this particular one is actually two boxes. One is, sorry? Two boxes, for sure. Yeah, so so one is the one we talked about a bunch, which is the um, lack of free cash flow. Right. And the other one is now Jessica bringing up the debt which is, as you pointed out, not horrific. It's not a giant red flag, it's a yellow flag. It's more than we like to see, but for many, many Buffett-style investors is frankly a perfectly acceptable amount of debt. Yeah. 3X earnings, that's all people, most people, most investors, I'm not saying it's right, and I'm not saying we're most investors, but a lot of investors would just go like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. So, so I think she's saying like, when something is a wonderful business and it's just these little annoying things that they're gonna fix. <laughs> and let's assume that we understand why they've got that debt or let's, uh, or at least like have a good guess about how it came about and, and that they're going to do something about it. What do you think then? Like, I like this idea of risk windage and I could make an argument that it follows that Buffett and Munger uh, theme of you pay a little more for a wonderful business and if you have a wonderful business that maybe needs to just get its financial house a little bit in order and is trying to do that then you would like to get it at a better price than you would have otherwise uh, been okay with dangerous territory dangerous I can tell territory you from from being from from taking that point of view this is yeah. just such a fantastic price and it's just got this one problem. Yeah. If the problem is something that can kill the company and make it terminal, then you have to understand you could be violating rule number one. And rule number one is don't lose money. Don't don't buy businesses where it's reasonably possible you could lose money on the business. That's just gambling. So, so question, hmm. why does a debt load that's three times its earnings mm-hmm. equal for you, term, potentially terminal problem, but one year of earnings equals no worries. Right. It's it's just the, the ability of the company to pay this down is the critical thing, right? 
Yeah, and of so and and to be able to control the debt if it is not possible to roll it over because you guys got to remember corporate debt is not like real estate debt. Real estate debt can be thirty years long, and so there's mm -hmm. no need to worry about rolling it. About and there's there's no need to worry about paying it off. You can just project that you can handle the negative cash flow and you own the house. That's not the case with corporate debt. If you've got a load of debt, it's going to come due and it's going to come due relatively quickly. Three to five years is the range. And so if a company's got billions and billions of dollars coming due and let's say it's six or seven times their net earnings or their free cash flow, they could very conceivably not be able to pay it off. They, even if they wanted I to agree. pay it down, they can't. They have to Absolutely. roll it over. And then you okay. might run right into a recession where nobody wants to lend you money because, you know, whatever reason. And then you've got a company that goes chapter 11 and the, the management team would be like, okay, it's not our fault. We're just chapter 11, sorry, all the shareholders, too bad you lost. So we want to be very careful about debt. It's super important to be careful. Now, your question is, three years of debt doesn't seem like that bad and it isn't that bad. Yeah. So now it comes to understanding the business itself. What is what is it about this business that creates enough money that they can pay off the debt? And here we get into the issue with Netflix is that they don't have a lot of free cash flow. Oh, aha. Mm -hmm. I'm very intrigued. Yes, mm -hmm. of course. If you don't so have a lot of free cash flow, where's the money together. coming from to pay off the debt? Yeah, you got a lot of earnings, but you can't pay off debt with numbers on your on your income statement, you have to pay out debt with cash. Mm -hmm. And so now you got to look at the cash this company is or isn't creating. And the thing is they create a lot of cash, but they use it all. They use yep. a huge pile of cash to produce more content. And what you have to figure out with Netflix is, is that similar to a manufacturing company that has to retool every three years or it it's not gonna have competitive automobiles or it's not gonna have competitive something else, right? It, and the retooling costs all of your free cash flow, all of your all of it goes away and you get no benefit from it. The, the new retooling is only gonna last three more years mm -hmm. and then you gotta do it all over again. And those kinds of companies are bad companies to own. The money does not come down to the owner of the business. It always is being reinvested in the business just to stay alive. They have to do that. And at a company like that, if it has significant debt, and three years is significant, it's not horrible, but it's significant, they may not be able to roll the debt over and they don't have the cash to pay off yeah. the debt without yeah. cutting into their ability to retool. Right, uh, okay. which is necessary for the operation of their business. Necessary for the operation and of the business. And that is how you start going down the spiral. Yes, and yes. that is the big question about Netflix. How much of this spending do they have to do to constantly be able to have, you know, re, you know, evangelistic fans and collect more subscribers? And I think the answer in Netflix's case is they have to do it. They have to do it. Now, yeah. could they just slow it down? Yeah, they could. They they spend more money than anybody on all of this. So they could definitely slow it down. It would probably hurt them to a certain degree, but not right away because the, yeah. this process is multiple years long as we've discussed before. 
to build a you know a seven part series or something it takes mm -hmm. years and so they could probably sit back and gather cash and pay down the debt if they have to frankly yeah they could right like it's not i'm with you on everything you said and at the same and netflix is not a manufacturing company that is nameless and faceless right netflix is bloody netflix right. <laughs> like there are people lined up down the block to finance a Netflix project or to finance Netflix itself sure. at the right price. Sure. So if Netflix got into that kind of trouble, my personal opinion is that they would be, again, at the right price, but they would be quickly bailed out by people who see huge upside in this company. So I'm not sure I buy that it would be a terminal event i don't think it is i'm with you as well i think that netflix and and here's where it's really important that you have a business with a big moat because a big moat business is fairly rare and that means everything you just said is possible that is that there are and there are lenders who would like to lend money to netflix because they see that cash flow there are investors who would love to buy the stock at a good price Mm -hmm. They would pile money in and Netflix could do an, an, another offering of public stock. It would dilute exactly. us as shareholders, which is a disadvantage. But they could also gather in a huge amount of cash, pay off their debt and then, you know, re retool from there. So I don't think Netflix. And is, again, at the right price. So they would may have to drop their, you know, they can't drop their stock price. But let's say if things are not going well, the stock price drops dramatically, they issue a right. huge offering to raise money, they're gonna issue that at you know, a price where people are gonna to wanna to buy it. So and if you think about it, they, the, the reason that they would be successful at that, rather than you know people doing secondary offerings and, and not giving Netflix the money, they just buy, buy the stock from an individual investor or a hedge fund manager or whatever, the people who wanna get in. The, the thing is they wanna get in with such a big block of stock that they would drive the price up in the public markets dramatically if they started buying, you know, several billion dollars of Netflix all at once, the, the stock price would climb through the roof, number one. And number two, the company wouldn't get the money, just some other investor would get the money. It would do Netflix no good. And so what happens is there are these people out there who want to get a piece of Netflix and they want to improve Netflix's operating capabilities in which case they would do a deal with Netflix inside and say, let's dilute the shareholders by 5% and we'll give you this billions of dollars for 5% of the company. And you can clear off a substantial portion of the debt. You can use it to generate years of, of content and so on. So 100%, that's because of Netflix's moat. That's because they have a huge brand. They've got this big flywheel of creative properties um, and it is, and they've got evangelistic users and we're going into a recession it looks like very clearly the world is headed for a recession that's europe the us china all slowing down and mm -hmm. if that happens then netflix gets better netflix is one of those companies that's kind of anti-fragile the, the in our view you you don't want to spend money on anything when you when you're you know in a recession you're not sure you're going to have a job whatever you really cut back on stuff and that puts you at home with your TV. Pandemic styles all over again. Yep.
And for Netflix sure. went through the roof during the pandemic because people were sitting at home with their TV. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So yeah. we, we think the company is certainly very, very strong, very big moat and, and anti-fragile in that regard. And because of that, then there's this, there's this capability of the company to handle its debt. It, at three years of debt, it's not too big to handle. No question, they could, they could definitely bring in capital. They could pay it down out of cash flow by slowing down content creation. There's a lot they can do there. So I think, in this case, and in every case for me, I have to be able to solve the problem. If yeah. debt is a problem, I've got to solve the problem from the perspective of the owner of the business where I don't think it's a problem anymore. So the numbers are just a red flag. Really? Yeah, but I got to take it to a point where I just don't think it's a problem. And that's what we just did with Netflix. If we're right, Netflix can go raise money, they can raise more debt, they can slow down mm. production, yeah. all of which would let them bring those debt numbers down very quickly. See, the reason I said really is it raises red flags for me in my own head when I start thinking like, well, if I can solve it, then they'll do that. People well, don't fair. always do what they, they necessarily they should do or what's smart or... I tell you from the scars on my back that they don't do it yes, always what they should that's do correct which again takes us to one of the points which takes us again to one of the critical four points which is management and here yeah. we have a tried and true management team run by reed hastings who has got the the t-shirts for all kinds of issues that have come up for netflix over the years and he's great at solving them and i and so when you're looking at this management team you don't see a management team that's going to turn traitor on us and you know, somehow screw the screw the shareholders. They're just not going to. I do agree. It. So then, back to the question: When you've got something, a company that doesn't doesn't. I mean, I don't know if there even is a company that has all the boxes checked. Frankly, no. Let's there's always there isn't. there's always <laughs> there's always issues. But so here's a company that has a debt problem and a free cash flow problem. Let's put it on the nose. Um, I think I would then start thinking similarly to what Jessica's saying and think like, well, I need to be a little more conservative on my margin of safety, maybe. I'm like, totally I've, okay Like with I that. just said, like I just solved the problem or you just solved the problem in your head. Yeah. I agree with you. Does that mean they'll actually do it that way? Of course not. So, you know, is this like, is this one, there have been companies where you and I have talked and we've talked about how confident we are in the company and we've gone through, you know, our reasoning and and I have bought at like a, a higher price than technically the rule one margin of safety price trademark undoubtedly pending. <laughs> and so maybe this is one where I would I, I'm going to say definitely this is one where I'm going to not want to do that and maybe even go a little more the other way with this, I love it, risk windage. 
yeah a little bit what do you yeah. think about that well so i, I think what i think, I think what not... i hear you saying just so i can keep talking for, sorry <laughs> <laughs> i keep talking <laughs> all right well said. <laughs> go ahead i'll stop talking no, I want you to finish. I think you're making a really good point. And if I understand you properly, what you're saying is that this creates enough of a concern, enough of an uncertainty that you want to offset that with a better price. And that's yeah. that's another way of looking at or it. Or another I, way of saying that is a bigger margin of safety. A bigger margin of safety. And I don't think that's wrong. I think that if you are comfortable with your answer on the debt problem and on the on the free cash flow problem, um, and then you decide because those because we're already defining this as a risky business, it would make quite a lot of sense to buy it cheaper, to get it with a bigger margin of safety, mm -hmm. because of that extra risk. I think that's perfectly okay. The, just as long as you are you are clear about what the solution to the problem is yeah if you don't have a solution to the problem that's another story entirely um, we, we call these problems events all right these kinds of problems yeah. are events and if we don't see that they're solvable if we can't figure out how they should solve it then definitely this isn't the company we'd want to buy I think the reason I'm having such a reaction to you saying that is that I so viscerally remember when the horse head thing was happening. Oh, I and I remember sitting in the car with you and you telling me the solution to their problems. Mm -hmm. You found this, you found probably like three or four different solutions. Mm -hmm. They were all it was, good. It was easy. They could fix yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And they didn't do any of those things. Mm -mm. So mm -mm. I'm like, you know, having lived through that second hand. It's much more painful for you, yeah. But I, it was painful enough that I have that lesson in me. It's a, and, it's a good lesson. I mean, and so, yeah, just this this conversation of like, well, I solved it, so it's probably fine. Like that doesn't fly. No, no it, it 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 very much depends on a management team that is rational and not uh, not greedy and not trying to be a bunch of criminals. I mean, these guys were criminals. Now, this yeah. is white wall. This is clearly a uh, white collar crime, and they got away with it. It's amazing that they got away with it. They we sued them well, and we sued them for five years and we won. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we won, but we we still just are wounded from that. The fact that they turned traitors on us, and that's what obviously that kind of wound lingers. You don't, you never forget it. Does. It. Yeah. And so it's really good. I mean, if you looked at this management team at Netflix and went. Oh yeah, these guys are fully capable of taking this company into Chapter Eleven. You know, it's just inconceivable for Reed Hastings. It's, it's his I life. I completely work. agree with you. Yes, it's completely inconceivable. I think I I, I have yeah. no words to yeah. Yeah, it's just, so that no to way. me that problem is solved. Yeah, uh, I that hear would you call that, that solved. I hear you on that. And remember, we're That's living in the real world. That's where having a founder-led company oh, has that little bit of an extra boy, layer of protection. Betcha. Yeah. You bet. Not uh, always, because founders aren't necessarily always good business people. So that is not always true. But I think in this situation, with the reputational aspects creating protection, yeah. Um, I think that might be true here. And Reed Hastings is an excellent business person. So look at look at how the this 
this rule one concept is is helping us understand. Yeah. We know we have to understand the business. We have to. And the reason we have to is because we got to solve these kinds of problems. And you can't do that mm -hmm. without understanding the business. Second, we look at the mode of the business. Is this business capable of fending off aggressive competition, even the biggest competition, the Amazons, the Googles and whatever is out there, the Apples? And the answer is, yeah, they, they have done well, so for years. I think the years. answer is that we've come to is maybe. No, I'm I'm confident that they will remain. Oh, oh, you went back to confidence. Yeah, I'm confident they'll remain very strong. I mean, we were they, pretty shaky before. No, I'm, I'm I'm very confident they they'll be one of the three or four things we all buy. All right, they are. And, I'll say I'm a little shaky okay. on that one. <laughs> and I think you know that moat is very strong, super strong. It's the strongest moat in the streaming world, by far. And then. Third is you have a management team that's fabulous and really well tried and 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 experienced. And so they're gonna we believe they will solve problems as they come up. Uh, yeah. They're capable of that. And then fourth, you've got to get a good margin of safety. And that that is really ultimately what we're talking about here in this episode is yeah. how big of a margin of safety, how 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 big do you need to go? Um, and the answer may be not so much trying to reduce the margin of safety so much as being more conservative about how you're calculating it, right? In other words, that would have the same right. effect. Yeah. So for instance, right now, analysts are expecting Netflix to grow at 7% a year. Okay. Now this is a company that's grown for a decade at 25 to 30% a year. Yeah, yeah. Right. So now they're down to 7% a year. And the question is, are they at 7% a year for the next 10 years? Is that legit? And the answer is, analysts don't look that far out. They don't. They say they've got a five-year projection, but they don't really. What they've got is a one-year projection. The answer is nobody bloody knows. I well, mean, nobody knows. Just... Uh, yeah. So let me let me run some numbers here with you. If you said, okay, the analysts are the no more than I do. The problem with this company is that nobody knows what's about to happen with it. This isn't the, the whole problem with this company. The reason we've been talking about it so long is that it's very hard to predict in this moment right. so, where this company's gonna go. So what we're looking for is a cheap deal. We want, a, we want a, sp a super deal. So we're gonna look at that three different ways. And one of the ways we're gonna look at it is with margin of safety analysis that says, okay, what's the growth rate gonna be? What's the PE ratio gonna be? You guys can go read about it in, in rule number one or in invested, both books cover that in detail. And in that case, you know, the margin of safety price if we use, a, I don't know, chop that 25% or down to let's say 15 or 16% for long-term growth rate, and you've got a company that's on sale at $185 a share, which is what it's selling for today. All right, now you take the analyst growth rate, put Netflix at 7% growth, and all of a sudden this company is you know, on sale at $40. Hmm. So your growth rate becomes extremely important, okay? Maybe. Now you look at it a different way. You look at it and say, okay, well, what about cash flow? And you say, well, we've already said they don't have any free cash flow. But we're not looking at free cash flow in this particular analysis. We're looking at owner earnings, which is different than free cash flow. It's the it's you look at the cost of capital expenditures only from the point of view it's necessary to just maintain the business what could just maintain the business wait which like? one are you on now 
10 cap. 10 cap, thank you. And so with the 10 cap, we look at this and look at today's price at $185 and think, man, that definitely could be on sale if we look at owner earnings in a particular way. So again, if you understand the business, you're gonna be able to put some numbers in here that don't require you to figure out a growth rate for Netflix at all. Mm -hmm. It's just, is this a good price relative to what it would be putting in my pocket if they didn't wanna to try to grow? Right, so that's the 10 cap. Yeah. And then you look at another way, which is your payback time, which I wrote about in the book, payback time, um, and look at what kind of free cash flow they've got, and they don't have any, but it's growing. I mean, they've got some, <laughs> but it's, that sounded funny, didn't it? They have none, but it's growing. I mean, they had a little last year, but I think that was such an unusual year. Well, yes, I guess you could say that. I mean, they've been right at zero free cash flow. Like, like they basically zero it out. They spend all their money to yeah. grow the business. So look at look at the the problem that you're you're trying to to understand. If you're spending all your money to grow the business and you're growing it at twenty five or thirty percent a year, that makes a huge amount of sense. Who wouldn't do that? For sure. We're growing this massive business, and of course we want to do that, especially when it's a kind of a network-type business um, moat. Um, but what if you're growing at 7%? Well, then you start thinking, I'm spending way too much money here, and what I need to do is just cut back on that. And if I'm going to grow at 7%, then I don't need to spend so much money. Of course, the the other problem could be maybe you got to spend all that to keep growing at 7%, and maybe that's true. So really trying to figure out your own earnings on this business, what the growth rate should be on the business, this is not simple. That's why it's in the risky biz category, 100% why it's in the risky biz category. I've seen really good investors short this business and make a fortune and then go long on the business after they shorted it for years and make a lot of money. And I, I mean, it's it's a really wild ride here at, at Netflix. So we wanna get it right. It requires that we understand the business deeply. And even as deeply as we think we understand it, it's still in the risky biz category. It just is unknown, as you say, what will happen down the road here. We just don't know for sure. Yeah, I think all the excellent questions on, I think are excellent questions because they don't have answers. And by the way, we keep that to about 10% of the portfolio. That's risky about the business. most we'd want to risk, yeah. About 10% of the whole portfolio. We'd put into some businesses, maybe one, maybe two or three, that we really like a lot, we really do, but they have issues in knowing for sure where they'll be in the future. I mean, for years we had Apple in that category just mm -hmm. because it's got you know, creative destruction at the base of the business. You have to ruin iPhone one to get to iPhone two or three or four or five, right? And that creative destruction is, it means that it's difficult to project that they'll be able to continue to do that successfully for 10 yeah. years into the future, you know? I How find do you know? it super interesting to see these technology companies that are so huge now and so far along and nobody would ever call them in any way like growth or even middle stage companies. 
But to me, as a startup lawyer, they are behaving like startup companies in so many ways still after being public for 20 years. Netflix spending all its money on just growing and operating. Like that is what a early stage, high growth company does to get to go public. Yeah, except, for, so, the, except for this particular category of company, which is the sort of right. Amazon, Alibaba, JD.com, Netflix. That company has to keep, keep uh, growing that network effect. That's and exactly the, what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So and, that kind of company, which is now in many ways, you know, the AT&T of our time, the blue chip stocks of our time, and yet they do not behave like those companies behaved in terms of their capital allocation. Yeah, and the certainty And so I find it really fascinating just from a like very, you know, 20,000 feet in the air kind of view what's going to happen overall not with any particular company but with that kind of company that's spending like that and behaving very much like a startup while not in any way being a startup how does that end where does that spinning top slow down it 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 it's a great question and remember we're talking about a very specific category here that's almost yes. a new sort of moat Precisely. This, this network moat where you Which, win. Uh, no, I'm not convinced necessarily is a moat. Well, you win by having the market. That's that's how you win. You become right. dominant. So And you have to spend all your money to do it. And that's exactly what Amazon did. And it's worked incredibly well. Worked incredibly well. And you have to say and they have And now everyone's moat. following that playbook because it worked incredibly well. Yeah. And I'd love to own Amazon if I could buy it at a good price. Right? Me too. Um, but, but where does it... I mean, so and, and look at, when look at how dominant down. they are. I, I mean, it's dominant. Like at some point you have to win. So maybe Amazon has won. Maybe Amazon is the one that has been able to slow down. Amazon's because won. They, yeah, and Apple, yeah. I would say, has won. They have so Apple much cash. Won. Microsoft, well, Apple won. Um, Facebook. Facebook mm. won. Mm. I mean, if you're in business, you can't think about not advertising on Facebook. You have to I be mean, there. It's like not really. <laughs> oh no, really. You have I to I mean do if it. by Facebook you mean Instagram, then yeah. <laughs> no, I mean Facebook. Well we we we're more familiar with it because we're actually we actually use that in one of our businesses. And when mm. you use it you start to see how dominant they really are. They're they're just dominant. You you can't imagine not having them as part of your marketing campaign. And so that dominance um, means that they can they can now sit back. There's no alternative really to to Facebook as far as we know. I mean there's alternatives, uh, I mean, but they're not really yeah. significant. The, you, that's like I saying there's as, no alternative the, to uh, Google, right? There's but there are. I mean you can go use Bing if you want to or something or ask or whatever. But Google is dominant and will continue to be dominant. Yeah, but that's future. a very different thing than a social network. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, I, but I it don't is, buy that Facebook has this incredible, but Instagram, yeah, which is owned by Facebook. So you wouldn't, so you wouldn't necessarily own Facebook. So again, Facebook may be too hard. It may be that these network kinds of brands are, or network kinds of moats are really difficult. I mean, you look at Alibaba, you know, its stock got smoked 
but it is dominant. It has like, I don't know, 60% of the market in China. It's just huge, right? And so, and really the market comes down to three companies like that in China. You got Alibaba, JD.com and, and uh, Pinduoduo. Other than that, you don't have anybody. And if you've got, if you're down to three companies, that's like GM, Chrysler, and Ford before all these other foreign companies came into the auto market. They just dominated the market for 50 years. And so yeah. I think that's the state here that we're in, I think, with these guys, you know? And if, if you are that dominant company and you do have some competitors, then I think you're very much like Netflix. I think Netflix is competing against Prime and Apple and, yeah. Yeah, I mean, for it. me, these are, these are apples and oranges for me. Netflix, yeah, Facebook, Amazon are very, very different. Um, so, yeah, just to my, I think you're right. Like Amazon, Apple, yes, Facebook has lots of cash. I don't buy that they have a moat. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. But I do. But, but you see you what I mean? There, there, are some, there are some that have slowed down. You're right. You're right. So maybe there is a point where you, you know, the feet catch up with the body and you can start to slow down a little bit. But and what I would I do, you guys, seen is, it yet with these streaming services. Well, what I would do is I would look closely at what are really good investors buying into and, and give yourself a little boost up by getting on the shoulders of some professionals and seeing what they're doing. If you're not seeing really good professional investors that you trust and know are really smart and really got their head, on, head screwed on right uh, and rule one type style investing, and they're buying some. They're not buying something that you want to buy. Then that's a red flag too. I would. I would be well, really careful, know. especially I mean, if it's a We don't know when business. they're buying it. Like you find out months later. Well, that doesn't. I don't hurt think you that's at all. fair. That's very rarely going to hurt you. I think it's completely fair, Danielle. You got you got a massive resource there, and yeah, you got ninety days when you're not going to know what they're doing. But typically, there's plenty of time. I mean. I can tell you so many different instances on Google and Apple and Netflix when major, major gurus were buying those stocks and those mm. stocks were still going down. Mm. You could buy them much cheaper than the gurus bought them. Mm. So yeah, I, I think it's a big, big clue. I would not just wave that one off because it's a 90 day delay at all. And by the way, on that note, we gotta go. Okay. <laughs> so until next time, I Thanks think that's it for buddy. Netflix. We'll we'll have to yeah. come up with something else to beat each other up about we'll here next time. We'll have to come up with something else. <laughs> <laughs> Until Thanks, then, everybody. time to go play. Bye. See you guys. Bye. Hi, guys. Thanks for listening to Invested. If you enjoyed this episode and you want more information or to listen to additional episodes, visit our website at investedpodcast.com and sign up for my virtual workshop right there. Spots are definitely limited for this event. I'm not kidding. They really are. They sell out very quickly. So everything discussed on this podcast, by the way, is either my opinion or it's Danielle's opinion. And it's really important. It's not to be taken as investing advice because I am not your financial advisor, nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. So remember that. You're on your own here. This podcast is for your entertainment and education only, and I really hope you enjoyed it.